healthy from the inside out. This is Valley Well by a Salud, a health and wellness information program brought to you by ValleyWise Health and District Medical Group. Each week, we go in-depth with different healthcare experts on some of your top health questions, getting answers to help you live your best life. Welcome to Valleywell Valle Salud. I'm your host, Lauren Vargas. Your smile is often the first thing people notice about you, but dental and oral health is also an essential part of your overall well-being. So today we have two dentists from Valleywise Health and District Medical Group answering your top questions about your teeth. Dr. John Chen and Dr. Chris Brendamule. Thank you both for joining us today. It's our pleasure. Absolutely. So first of all, how has COVID-19 impacted your practice and your patients? It's really been an interesting an interesting time. I don't know that we've ever had to deal with anything like this before where we went from full bore, you know, doing everything that we could, doing everything like normal. And then over the course of a day, we got word that everything needed to shut down because of the risk to the community. So we basically shut down all of our dental clinics for, for a time. Um, and even now, it's been a process of slowly transitioning back to somewhat to semi-normal practice where we're still in the process of figuring out, as I think all the scientific experts are, of how is this virus transmitted? Who's at most at risk? How can we treat people safely and comfortably protecting both our patients as well as our staff? It's been, it's been really interesting. So I'm guessing some people might have been kind of relieved when you guys shut down that they didn't have to go to their appointment. I mean, some people are so scared to go to the dentist. What's up with that? Well, sometimes people are afraid of going to the dentist because they're uh, fearful of experiencing pain or they may have had previous you know, bad experiences in the dental office. Um, so there are different reasons. And, but what the patient should do is talk to the dentist and explain to the dentist, you know, what the problem is so they can make plans on how to make it easier for the patient. That's been my experience as well. It's, there's a lot of different reasons why people may be re- reluctant to come see us. Um, and, but I find that a lot of that can be overcome just by having that conversation as we get started to say, you know, what is it that makes you nervous about being here? How are you feeling? And how can we help with some of this stuff? It may be as simple as having that conversation to put their mind at ease that you're not going to be the same dentist they had 30 years ago that, you know, that that they remember doing these horrible things. And we have ways of hopefully making it a much more, maybe if not enjoyable, certainly at least a, a non-painful experience nowadays. Absolutely. So if you haven't been to the dentist in a while, you might, you know, you should definitely give it another try because there's always new things happening and and pain management um, ways of handling that. So let's talk about home care because um, that is a key part of it, obviously. So what can you tell us about what type of toothbrush and toothpaste we should be using? Well, for children, you should use a small toothbrush that's uh, appropriate for the child's mouth and you should use soft bristles. And when you're brushing the teeth, you should use just um, a small amount of fluoride toothpaste. So generally speaking, for kids under three, you're using about um, the size of a, a grain of rice for, for fluoride. So it's, it's called a smear. For older kids, uh, you might be using uh, a pea-sized amount of fluoride toothpaste. And it's important to have them, you know, you su- the parent needs a supervised brushing. Brush twice a day, once in the morning, especially at night before they go to bed. And it's really similar for adults. I mean, you know, obviously we're, you're using a, a very small amount more of, of the toothpaste, but we still recommend a soft bristle toothbrush. Um, you know, electric toothbrushes nowadays are really, po- are really, um, uh, are really popular. And I find that they do, they work really, really well. I love them, but 
but they're not necessary to, to keep your mouth clean. It's really taking the time, you know, brushing every side of every tooth with that soft bristled toothbrush and, and getting into all those little nooks and crannies to really get the mouth clean. Let me just mention one other thing. After the child brushes the teeth, we don't really want them to rinse out with water. We want the residual toothpaste that has fluoride on it to help strengthen their teeth. Absolutely. Same for adults. I'm really glad you mentioned the electric toothbrush thing because my husband and I get into arguments all the time. So we have a two-year-old in the house and she got an electric toothbrush for Christmas and I don't like using it on her. I think it's too big, but um, he does. So we switch off every night who's doing bedtime routine and every time he does it, he's using the electric toothbrush and claims it's so much better, but I use the good old fashioned one and she likes when I do it better. This way she gets to learn both styles. If she's, you know, she'll be ready for whatever life brings her way. <laughs> Another thing that uh, would be helpful when uh, you brush a kid's teeth is kind of do it in a systematic way. Always start on a certain area of the mouth. And then uh, the toothbrush can only clean three surfaces of, of the teeth. Every tooth has five surfaces. So if you're consistent on how you're doing it, you're not going to miss surfaces. So you go on the right side, you go all the way around, clean the outside, then you start on the right side, clean out the inside surface in the top of the teeth. If you're just tuning in with us, we're speaking with Valleywise Health and District Medical Group Dentist, Dr. Chen and Dr. Brenda Mule about their top tips for your dental health. We have five dental locations at Valleywise Health across Maricopa County. So if you do need to make an appointment, you can visit valleywisehealth.org or call 833-855-9973 Monday through Friday from 7.30 a.m. to 5 p.m. So we were talking about my two-year-old and she loves with the toothbrush I give her, she loves to chomp on it because I give her a minute to do it herself and then I do it. So her toothbrush just gets wrecked after a few weeks. But how do you know when to replace your toothbrush? Well, when the bristles look frayed or they're, uh, they've lost their structure, um, it's time to change it. So usually a toothbrush can be used for maybe two or three months. Uh, you should change it after that. Yeah. And I would say the same for adults. You, some people, if you're a really aggressive brusher, which we, which we would always caution against anyway, but if you're a really aggressive brusher, you may fray those bristles quite a bit earlier and, and need to replace the, the toothbrush more frequently. But generally, yeah, it's about every three months for most people. Okay. Let's talk about flossing. So a lot of you know, dentists that I've been to, they'll always ask, did you floss? And I'm a lot better about it now, but I used to never floss. And I sometimes I would tell the truth and sometimes I would say, yeah, I floss sometimes. So can can dentists tell when you're telling the truth about whether you flossed or not? And is it important? Well, one thing that, that we notice is if you're not brushing right or flossing right, uh, the gums will appear kind of swollen and puffy um, and they bleed when, when you touch them. So a sign of not getting your teeth clean is bleeding gums. Also, flossing is, is essential because, like I mentioned earlier, there are five tooth surfaces, and there's two, two surfaces. The surfaces in between the teeth are never clean unless you floss. So that's about 40% of your tooth surface. So it's really important to do this because it disrupts the interaction of the bacteria and the food that you eat. So if you're doing this every day, it diminishes the likelihood of you getting cavities. Yeah, I would agree. The the flossing is is really important, and it's it's the easiest one to skip. No one likes doing it really, uh, and I get that. Um, but if if not, you're you're leaving pieces of your teeth just fully fully uncleaned. And and there are a lot of different ways to do it. Floss is always kind of king for us. But there are you know there are inter inter dental picks and the little uh, the water pick is a, is a name brand something that that 
that kind of puts a burst of water in between the teeth, air flossers, all these little things that they all help. I think floss is kind of king for this stuff, but you've got to find some way to clean between your teeth if you're not going to do the, the, the main one that we recommend. So what about mouthwash and rinse? Is that something we should be doing every day too? I recommend uh, children use fluoride rinse. Uh, there, there are things that the dentist can tell the parents to help minimize uh, cavity formation. So fluoride can remineralize small cavities and stop the cavity. But going back on the other question about flossing, flossing also prevents gum disease. And that's really important because there are like little micro environments in your mouth. Certain areas of teeth may have food impacted. You may get a periodontal problem. You get a gum infection. It's um, in other parts of the mouth may be healthy. So it's really important to floss. Yeah. And I think going hand in hand with that, there are a couple of different types of mouthwashes out there that you may find for, for kids. Like Dr. Chen mentioned, having a fluoride mouthwash is really great uh, to help lower your risk for cavities. Uh, as, as you, uh, most adults are a little, are a little bit lower cavity risk uh, than a lot of children adolescents. So they might be looking for more of something that's keen to prevent uh, gum disease. So kind of taking the, the, whatever is missed by the brushing and flossing, things like Listerine uh, and Crest Pro Health, things like that. There are mouthwashes that will help fight, uh, basically kill the bacteria that will that causes gum disease, gingivitis. I My one caution is that I, I always recommend using a mouthwash that has no alcohol in it because the alcohol can be really drying uh, and dry mouth can create a whole host of other problems. So mouthwash is good, brushing and flossing more important, but mouthwash can be kind of the, the icing on the cake and some of this stuff. So other than the obvious, you know, the toothbrush, the toothpaste, the flossing and the mouthwash, what are some other um, good tips for home health care with your mouth and other products or, you know, foods to eat, that kind of thing? Well, one should always have a healthy diet, eat foods from the different uh, food categories, the four different categories, try to cut down on, on the quantity of sugar. So what's really important also is not only the amount of sugar that you eat, it's the frequency of exposure to sugar. So every time you eat, it doesn't take long for acid to be formed. And it's this constant bathing of the teeth in acid that causes the initial uh, demineralization. The, the minerals leach out of the enamel of the tooth, the outer surface of the tooth. If that goes on long enough, that white spot will become chalky, and it'll become soft, and then eventually you get a cavitation then different types of bacteria get inside the cavity, food collects in there, and the cavity process gets worse. Yeah, and, and, and it's not just the obvious things. Everyone kind of thinks of sugars, but it's also sort of the starchy carbohydrates like white bread and things like that, crackers, cookies, things that will build up these fermentable sugars in the mouth and, and really give that bacteria food to, to chew on. And, and they produce, again, as he said, produce that acid, start tearing apart the, the enamel. Um, and I'm not someone who who says you can't have those things, but it is like Dr. Chen mentioned with the frequency. If you're going to have, you know, a soda, have it with your meal so that you're not sipping on sugar water the entire day long. It's, it's timing the exposures and, and limiting the amount of times that you're bathing your teeth in, in things that are potentially bad for them. So if you're going to ha have dessert, you should eat it after you have your meal as one exposure instead of waiting an hour and then having dessert. Oh, that's interesting. I didn't think about that. 
So if you are just tuning in with us, we're speaking with dentists, Dr. Chen and Dr. Brenda Mule about um, dental health, answering all of your top questions. You can make an appointment with ValleyWise Health by visiting our website and clicking the book appointment button, valleywisehealth.org, or Monday through Friday, you can call 833-855-9973. Let me ask you some questions about kids and dental health. So if the baby's teeth are going to fall out anyway, why is it important to brush them? Well, you know, it's recommended that dental the child gets their first dental visit really early. So we recommend kids get seen by the dentist uh, six months of age when the first tooth erupts or certainly by one year of age. The reason why we do that is because we want to get preventive information to the parents so they know what to do. So they get anticipatory guidance about dental development, uh, what you can do to prevent cavities, talk to them about the benefits of sealants and fluorides, um, how to brush your teeth, how to prevent problems. So dental disease is the most common chronic disease of children. So that's why it's important to um, take care of this early, teach people how to take care of their teeth, because a lot of kids in school have cavities, uh, interferes with their education. They may have suffer pain, uh, have difficulty eating. So it's really important. And, and the baby teeth are holding space for permanent teeth that are developing underneath them. So you want to keep teeth as long as you can. They're serving a purpose, not only for function and aesthetics, but also for maintaining the integrity of the arch. And um, when do baby teeth fall out? I know Chencha was just talking about this, but what is the age when you can, can kind of expect that the baby teeth are going to start coming loose? So usually about five or six, the lower central incisors come out first. And then about a year later, the upper central incisors will exfoliate. So this process goes on between, say, five or six until the child's about 12 or 13 when they lose all their baby teeth. Wow. Okay. That goes on for a lot longer than I remember. I should remember this, but for my own mouth, but I don't. Um, so we are talking with District Medical Group and ValleyWise Health Dentist, Dr. Chen and Dr. Brenda Mule about dental health. And you can make an appointment with us by visiting valleywisehealth.org or calling 833-855-9973. We are talking about kids and their oral health right now. And, um, you know, earlier in the show, I was talking about how my husband and I kind of go back and forth with the electric and the, the regular toothbrush. And it's not her favorite time of day. She's gotten a lot better about it since we have to do it every night. But um, how do you have any tips to make it easier for parents to brush their kids' teeth? If they're really fighting it, it's really hard to brush their teeth. Well, mo most of the time, kids are kind of curious, and they want to do what their parents uh, are doing. So at nighttime, get in front of a mirror, brush your teeth. They're going to watch you brush your teeth. That'll be a great time for you to talk to them about why it's important to do it. And then have them try to brush their teeth, realizing they can't do it right. They should feel good about that they're doing something to prevent cavities, get them motivated to do that. I think modeling goes a long way with kids. If you're if you're modeling good behaviors and kind of showing them and you know trying to make it fun for them as well, it's it seems like a goofy thing to do, but but play a song that that's a couple minutes long to kind of give yourself the time to to brush your teeth and involve that involve them in that activity. And the more you can reinforce this as a good thing to do rather than a Ugh, this is something we have to do again. Uh, if you make it a, hey, we're going to go brush our teeth. This is great. Kids are more likely to, to follow your lead on those things. So after all the baby teeth fall out and you know the, the adult teeth come in, is that when parents should start considering um, taking their child to an orthodontist or how does that work? Well, generally speaking, it's probably the right time when uh, all the baby teeth have fallen out. And it's, and it's usually about 12 or 13 that a child goes see the orthodontist. 
But there are other situations where it may be advantageous uh, if the child has a crossbite. Uh, sometimes there can be treatment that's done earlier to correct crossbite, expand their you know rapid palatal expansion to expand expand their arch, or if they're really crowded to get uh, a consultation with an orthodontist and. You know, the patient might be a candidate for serial extraction. If you're trying to get certain baby teeth out, getting certain, you know, permanent teeth in, then extracting the permanent teeth. So the teeth will line up better. So the orthodontic treatment will be easier. But generally speaking, it's uh, usually about 12 or 13 when someone should go see the orthodontist. Yeah, and it's. I think that just kind of goes to our point of uh, of the importance of these early checkups. Because if, if a child is seeing a dentist for these regular screenings, you know, if they're going and getting their teeth cleaned every six months through their adolescence, the dentist is able to kind of screen and look for, for you know, skeletal developmental problems, things that would warrant an earlier orthodontic intervention, something like, hey, we're seeing this now, and you're much more likely to have issues with this as you grow. So let's get you in with the orthodontist to see what they think early. Um, because as he said, there are some things that you can catch a little bit early. So that reminds me of one thing that Dr. Brenda Mill said that's really, really important is to get a child to a dental home early. So if, if we know a child is being seen on a regular basis, uh, we're familiar with, with the family. We know what their caries risk are. There may be certain appropriate treatment that's to monitor caries. Uh, we can watch it. We don't have to treat it. Um, there are many advantages if, if a patient is already a recall patient, a regular patient, that we know them. Yeah, I would having having a dental home, having a, a place that you feel, hey, I have my kid has a dental need, I know who to call. You're more likely to follow through on those things. Or if there is something that's questionable, you you have a place to go to ask a question. Hey, do I need to come in for this, or or can or is this something that's normal part of growth and will be fine? It's having that dental home to 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 guide you through, uh, you know, elementary school years and adolescence and things like that. It really is. It really is beneficial to kids. Right. So you mentioned um, going to your dental checkup every six months, but what if there's something wrong? What are the first signs that you might need to go see a dentist, you know, before then? Well, if a child is complaining of a toothache or if there's swelling, if there's uh, a gum boil or some swelling above the tooth underneath the lips, or if their face is swollen, um, if there's a bleeding. Yeah, there's and in adults, you'll see a lot of the same things. Hey, all of a sudden, this tooth that wasn't sensitive before every time I drink cold water is starting to kill me. A little bit of sensitivity is one thing, but something that's progressively getting worse, especially if it's Oh, you know, it was sensitive one day or a bit into something and it hurt. A couple days later, it goes away. That's I'm less concerned about something like that. But now it's every time I bite on the right side. That's a sign that there's something going on there. We would also encourage people to look in their mouths. Like the, I think the Arizona Dental Association had a campaign a few years ago. It's called Watch Your Mouth. And it was basically, hey, look inside your mouth and see. Do you see discoloration? Do you see redness on the gums? Do you see you know, food getting stuck? Or do you see staining that wasn't there before? Or, hey, does something not look right? Because if you see something that wasn't there before, it might be a sign that something's going on. And speaking of foods, uh, tooth sensitivity, some people have really sensitive teeth where, you know, they've never been able to drink really hot or really cold. Why is that? Why do some people have that? There's a lot of different reasons for, for tooth sensitivity. And it can be as complicated and serious as you know, a fractured tooth or a fractured filling. It can be a really deep cavity. 
It can be a really small cavity. It can be something as, you know, if the gums are just a little bit receded, where there's a little bit of the root surface that's exposed, the root surface doesn't have enamel like the rest of the tooth does to protect it from the hot and cold and things like that. So it may be something very benign, something that, that doesn't warrant big interventions, but it could be a sign that there's something going on. It could also be due from habits. Some people will um, suck on a lemon. The lemon's just acid that it erodes the enamel and they get sensitivity once the nerve endings are uh, exposed. So it can be progressive where you, you realize it later in life. Most definitely. And, and there are things like Sensodyne toothpaste, Colgate sensitive, all these different brands that are marketed for sensitive teeth. They're all great. They really do help with some of these minor things. But if you start using a toothpaste like that to help with your sensitivity and it's not getting any better, that might be a sign that you should call some, call your dentist to have a checkup if it's been a while to say, hey, something's not feeling right anymore. Right. So cavities are probably one of the most common things you guys see and treat. How, how do cavities work and, and how do fillings work? Can you kind of explain that in a way that we would understand? Well, cavity is basically a hole in your tooth and it's caused by bacteria using the food that you eat and the acid causes the tooth to get soft and, and you get a cavity. A filling is a dental restoration that the, the dentist uses to um, restore the tooth back to form and function, and it seals it off so bacteria and food can't get into the tooth. There's different kinds of fillings. There's silver fillings, there's composite fillings, there's glass onomers. There's advantages and disadvantages to different types of fillings. Yeah, and they all they all have their place, I, I think. And you know, the in order to do a filling, basically the 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 goal of that is to remove the decay, remove the cavity that started there and allow us to put in basically refill that hole that was that was created and and restore the tooth to its natural form and function. And so that is the that is the goal. Unfortunately, there's not sometimes there's just no better way to to get rid of a cavity. When they get to be a certain size, we have no option but to basically drill out the bad stuff and fill it back up and protect it. When they're really small, there are some interventions that we're finding may be effective at sort of reversing the very early stages of a cavity from forming before it develops into an actual hole in the tooth. You know, when the, the enamel weakens a little bit, there are some things that, that we can do, fluoride varnish. And, and what we've seen a lot of more recently is uh, silver diamine fluoride, which is not a new technology, but is being used more frequently now uh, to, uh, to arrest or stop the, the growth of, of a cavity before it has a chance to cause problems. Are some people lucky enough to not have a cavity their whole life and others, I feel like, are more prone to cavities? Is that true? That's true. So patients who don't have streptococcus mutans, that's the bacteria that starts the initial cavitation. If you don't have that, you're less likely to get a cavity. Okay, so as we kind of wrap up here, you know, when people are, are starting to go back to their dental appointments, um, what are some good questions for patients to ask their dentist? I think there's probably some questions to ask, but more than anything, I encourage people to communicate with their dentist what their history has been, what their concerns are. If we don't know what you're feeling or what, what has brought you in, then we're not going to know to help you with it. So if you had a traumatic experience as a child that has left you really uncomfortable at the dentist, tell us about that so that we know, hey, let's let's address that. Let me reassure you that I'm not going to do the same thing that, that, that you experienced before. I'm going to try to work around that. Now, we're still dental office. We're still, 
we still do things that don't exactly feel good all the time. It's it, we're we're going to do our best to make this as pain free and as comfortable as possible for you. But but knowing your history with some of these things is going to go a long way. In the same way that we want to know your sort of your history with that, we want to know what your medical history is because there are some things that can affect your dental and oral health that are in your medical history, the medications you take, uh, you know, if you have any systemic diseases, conditions that might affect your mouth. Those are all things that we want to know about. I think the other thing that's really important is um, attitudes about dentistry is changing. In the past, mostly what dentists did were treat the effects of the, the cavity, not actually deal with the disease. So dentistry has been involved pretty much in preventive things, but with the introduction of uh, silver diamond fluoride, that's really helped a lot with kids. Uh, sometimes kids are really young and they're at an age where they're not able to cooperate for dental treatment. And there are risks involved in sedating children or using general anesthesia. Uh, silver diamond fluoride is a very simple technique. You isolate the tooth, you apply it, let it sit there for a minute or so. And it's a therapeutic agent that's antibacterial and has fluoride and it strengthens the teeth and it will stop the cavity. So it buys you time to let the child mature and maybe get restorations done later. Dentist Dr. Chen and Dr. Brenda Mule with Valleywise Health, thank you so much for taking time to speak with us today. Really, really interesting information, and we appreciate it. Thank you. It's our pleasure. We hope you enjoyed listening to Valley Well Valle Salute, a health and wellness information program brought to you by Valleywise Health and District Medical Group. If you're looking for more information about what you heard today, visit us online at valleywisehealth.org slash bewell. There, you'll find blogs and videos from our healthcare providers, and you can even book an appointment at a ValleyWise Community Health Center near you. That's valleywisehealth.org slash bewell. Thanks for listening, and we hope you'll tune in again soon.